Hey guys, this is Ronnie. Just a reminder, these are old episodes, and if you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. And announcing a new podcast with Ed Greer, Ron Swallow, and producer Bill called The Greatest Pod. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. In addition, if you want to support us monetarily, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash thegreatestpod, and you can sign up for the $5 tier that gets you extra podcasts, or sign up for the $7 tier that gets you the extra podcasts and art sent directly to your house. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the Classic Logo, and then, of course, the Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls, among other fan-favorite comments. So, do yourself a favor. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite t-shirt. So, thanks for listening and thanks for supporting Reboot It. At a major Hollywood studio, in a corner office of Sub-Basement D, the development executives toil in obscurity to reboot it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Reboot It, the back half of season three. We are on the downhill slope. First half was crazy, and things are about to get crazier as for, I would say, the first time on Reboot It, we are tackling a franchise that is currently at its peak in popularity in cinemas, and we are coming along saying we're going to do it better. We got to do it because it's the golden age of Hollywood IP, and everything gets rebooted sooner or later. We have to throw down the gauntlet for how to do it right. And with me, as always, to help crack this reboot, the Reboot Crew. You know him from Screen Junkies Universe, a regular contributor to fandom entertainment, Mr. Billy Business. Oh, man, this one is, uh, it's tough. Uh, Gal is so beloved. Patty Jenkins' version is so beloved. And yeah, I've been, I, I broke the cardinal rule of Rebooted. I've been thinking about this all week trying to come in with some sort of an idea of what to do. It's a tough one, man. I I think we might break format a little bit. We were talking about this uh, before we got on the air, but before we get into that, the rest of the reboot crew next, you know him also from Screen Junkies Universe pre-pandemic. You know him from the new Negroes on Comedy Central, the baddest raconteur in nerd media, Mr. Ed Greer. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you very much, dude. That really touched my heart. I, I, had, a, I had a quip and you knocked it out of my mouth with your <laughs> niceness. But thank, thank you so much. I'm very excited to get here. And like, like you said, there's going to be some storytelling in this episode because this is a lady with a bunch of stories. And I think we're going to run into some preconceived notions that each other has. So the quicker we work through them, the better. Yeah, this might be a, a great example of how the reboot crew comes in with very different ideas and has to try to find some uh, common ground. And finally, you know him, the people's champion of reboot at the heart and soul of the crew, Mr. Ron Swallow. Not to be confused with Brian. <laughs> Inside Brian joke, Leisure. <laughs> um, I, uh, I am excited about this one, you guys. Uh, we are... Uh, 
look, this is probably a bad decision. I say this every time, but this is what, uh, like, this is going to be interesting. It's already, it's one of the properties that's great. So we're trying to make something great, even greater. And that's going to be an interesting challenge, but uh, I trust you guys and uh, I am going to be funny. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, today we are doing, of course, Wonder Woman. And uh, I think it's fair to say all four of us are pretty big fans of the Gal Gadot version. Is that true? With, with, Odds all look, around. My, minus some reservations, I think they've done a fantastic job uh, bringing this character to light. That people were just so ready for it. That 2017 one was a phenomenon. I definitely remember sitting in the theater for that first Patty Jenkins movie and just watching those scenes of the Amazons training on Themyscira and just kind of feeling tears in my eyes because it was both like such an amazing realization of what you knew from the comics, but also like such an amazing realization of the core ethos of Wonder Woman, just that female empowerment of it all. It was it was a it was a big event. I don't know. Yeah. And I felt that way about the uh, the. The moment when she decides, no, I'm just going to go save people. That that's a big moment for me. Like that, and that's something I think DC has forgotten about. Uh, and I'm glad that uh, that was thrown in there. I mean, I think it's fair to say that the other three of us want to get rid of her saving people. So that might be. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no. I, I I think she should wear a black costume with a cowl on and perch on balconies at night. <laughs> And punch people. No, no costumes. <laughs> costumes are dumb. Oh no, no! no I want to see her no in some swords. low-rise jeans. Personally, no, no. that's what I'm going for. I, I, I meant, I meant, I meant her '90s uh, outfit with the biking shorts. That's oh, what with I mean. The leather jacket. <laughs> yeah, the leather jacket. Everybody in the Perfect. '90s was chilly as hell because they all had <laughs> jackets. They were chilly as hell, and they had forgotten something, so they put on a jacket and some pouches. Problem solved. All comic book characters. Well, let's go back to the very beginning so we can see exactly how much we're just going to throw out the window in this reboot. So Wonder Woman was, of course, created in 1941. She wasn't the first female superhero, but she was the first female superhero to break through and capture the public's imagination. Was created by William Moulton Marston, also the inventor of the lie detector. And as we have come to find out over the past several decades, kind of an interesting dude, to say the least. Um he and his wife had a long-term live-in partner. They were a full-on thruple. And uh, William, Molston, William Moulton Marston was a big advocate of uh, male submission to female authority, which definitely works its way into Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman, of course, is Diana of Themyscira, sculpted from clay by Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons, and given life by the breath of Zeus. She goes on to become the greatest warrior amongst this clan of female warriors who have been exiled to the island of Themyscira and is the first one in centuries to venture forth into the world of man to tackle injustice and bring forth their ethos of peace, love, and prosperity. She was first adapted in the 1970s by the beautiful Linda Carter, who we all remember fondly, um, spinning around to change from her everyday uh, identity of Diana Prince into Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was a mainstay in the Justice League cartoons going back to the Super Friends. And then, of course, was first brought to life on the big screen in Batman v Superman by Gal Gadot. So, she has since had two movies filmed, one movie released, um, 
under her own brand, has also showed up in Justice League, directed by Joss Whedon, and soon to be Justice League, directed by Zack Snyder. Um, and generally, the reception to this newest incarnation of Wonder Woman has been through the moon enthusiastic. Um, people, you know, at one point, it, when everybody was wrapped up in sort of Wonder Woman mania, she was going to be made a UN ambassador. This fictional character was going to be made an honorary UN ambassador. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it's really been a phenomenon over the past five years, people's love of Wonder Woman. And so that is where we step in to say, nope, we're going to do a better version. <laughs> so starting <laughs> as we always do, let me just ask, in this, in this moment defined so much by this iconic representation of Wonder Woman, what would people be bringing in if we were to say, hard reset, we're doing it again, what are people going to think about us? I almost feel like the only thing that you really can do is not even try to recreate what's already been done. I think the thing about Wonder Woman is that she has such an expansive uh, backstory and history in the comics and different versions, you know, with the New 52 and the pre-crisis and post-crisis that you just find a way to present this character in a way that not necessarily as a continuation of what Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins have created, but it, it doesn't, it's a, it's a new interpretation that doesn't trample on that. Doesn't try to redo it. Uh, you know, I kind of think like how, how did we feel when Christian Bale was going to be Batman? And it was like, well, does this step on what Keaton did? And, and now that you look back, you're like, Oh no, those are two totally different stories with two totally different Batman who are accomplishing two totally different things. And I think that's maybe the approach that we should take with Wonder Woman is not how do we do it better, but how do we do it differently? I definitely think that that comparison between the Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher, Batman movies and what Nolan did to just completely reset things, that might be instructive for us moving into this. Ed, Ron, what do you guys think? What are people bringing to our version of Wonder Woman? Uh, I mean, for me... I agree with everything that's already been said, so I don't want to belabor this point. Um, I think you have to have her being an ambassador for peace of sorts. I think people like that stuff. Uh, I think you have to have her have some mythological bent. I think people like that stuff. I think everything else is negotiable, honestly, from you know, Themyscira's discovery or non-discovery to how the Themyscirians act all of that's open for reinterpretation because uh, there are so many different versions and there are versions where the people don't necessarily like Wonder Woman that much. The, the average rank and file people on the mascara in Patty Jenkins version, it was like, this is all our baby. But Gail Simone has written a couple of stories where the Amazons are like, we don't have babies, dumbass. No babies. This whole enterprise is about no babies. We're living here in the old school house and you want to bring babies in here, stupid Hippolyta. There are whole arcs where the Amazons think like that. And I, for one, think some of that is a bit interesting. Well, yeah, before we go too far down the road of pitching, I do think that is important to say that like Wonder Woman's origin has been one of the most flexible in the DC canon. I mean, she's been a lot of different things in a lot of different ways over the past 80 years. 
So that's worth keeping in mind as we move into this. Ron, what do you think? What is an audience going to bring to a new version of Wonder Woman? Um, anger that four dudes came up with. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Not our comment section. The audience for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you guys, uh, I think, I, you know, I think just like we, I don't want to repeat again, I, I, I'm going to be the real, I'm going to be the reiterator here, but they bring in the want to see peace and power from women. <laughs> That's it. That's all I know. Power, power, powerful women. <laughs> Get to the invisible chopper. Do it now. <laughs> um, all I'm saying is, yeah, we're, we need to, we definitely, we just need to tell a good story that, um, uh, uh, makes people feel inspired. I, I think that's one of the most important things that you can do with Wonder Woman is she inspires people. So, Yeah, I, I will say I do think one thing people are bringing into this, would be bringing into this movie, would be a general sense that Wonder Woman isn't soft, but is kind of earnest. You know, that that first movie leaned so heavily into like her naivete about the world and like, everything that came out of her mouth was just 100% genuine. She almost had, you know, sort of that, that person out of time quality to her in that movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, I don't know a lot in the, sorry to cut you off. That's really a lot from that new 52 run, which is where she's very much, uh, kind of new to earth. And there's like that scene where she's like, ice cream. This is great. I love ice cream. Like very, uh, very Thorish in that way. Mm. Well, I was just going to make the point that I don't know that we should feel beholden to that. I think that that's probably people's general idea of who Wonder Woman is based on the movie that has been made. I don't think that's going to be integral to our version. I mean, look, there's been so many different versions of Wonder Woman. There's a, there's a, there's, there's a long run where she doesn't have superpowers and she's like a spy. So, I mean, you know, uh, it, it, there's it, there's a bazillion things we can do here. I don't think not having superpowers is one of them. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, the most important thing that we should have her do is be a wizard. Mm, magic, <laughs> magic all day long. Yeah, I just want magic in this. Well, I, I was thinking she should have an undying love with a boy vampire. But, mm. you know, I. Oh, I like that mm. one. <laughs> We'll do a we'll do a Marvel crossover with Morbius, the living vampire, and get Jared Leto in this movie. Uh, he's so handsome. <laughs> well, so I want to do two things. I think first we need to we need to recognize that our Wonder Woman movie is the is the capstone of us introducing the big five DC characters into our version of the DCEU. Mm. So we'll, yeah. we'll recap kind of where we are in rebuilding DC as an entire franchise. And then I also want to break format a little bit. I think that this idea, you know, we always talk about, all right, what is the core message of this story? And I do think that's important. But I also know that all of us are bringing in some very specific ideas about Wonder Woman and some things that we really think would work. And so rather than do the thing where we kind of hash it out and talk about themes and arrive at what the greater story could be, I think what we're going to do is we're all just going to pitch, make a strong pitch for what we think the movie should be, and then let's attack where the differences lie. Is everybody cool with that? Sounds fun. Okay. So first of all, to recap where we are in the DCEU, we have done Batman, Superman, 
Green Lantern, and The Flash. So the last big five character remaining of the founding Justice League members is Wonder Woman. To give you the, the broad strokes chronology, our Batman movie was very Gotham-centric, did not really build out the bigger universe, and saw Batman basically taking down some version of the Court of Owls, which had a stranglehold on Gotham City, but in so doing, he sort of broke the leash on all of the monsters and the freaks that had been bubbling up underneath the city. And so Batman is very much still an urban legend, is not really working openly with the police, and, and sort of is, is very focused on his Gotham City. We then moved into Green Lantern, and we told a buddy cop movie with a young millennial Kyle Rayner paired up with a grizzled Gen X boomer composite in the form of John Stewart. John Stewart had lost his good buddy Hal Jordan years prior in a mission gone wrong and was very resistant to the idea of this young and experienced Kyle Rayner coming in to take up the mantle of Green Lantern. They foiled a planet heist being uh, orchestrated by Mongol, who was trying to gain power in the larger galactic confederacy. Um, and Kyle Rayner really discovered within himself the responsibility to live up to what the Green Lanterns do. We then moved to Superman. We picked up a young Superman who stumbles into a conspiracy wherein Lex Luthor is using the secret knowledge of Brainiac to orchestrate world events to consolidate power. And somewhere in the middle of our movie, Brainiac is revealed to be online and thinking and working on his own plans. And so basically, Superman and Lois uh, go on a madcap romp to expose what Luther has been doing while fighting off uh, characters like Metallo that the combined Luthor-Brainiac alliance is sending at him, ending with a big old battle on the moon, which we actually broke in our Reboot Rewind episode. That one is super fun. Go back and lo look at that if you haven't. Finally, The Flash, we did to open this very season, season three of Reboot It. Uh, we saw Barry Allen actually wrongly convicted for murdering a bunch of people when the accident that gave him his powers took out uh, people in his general vicinity. Using his newfound powers, he then escaped from a maximum security prison, went on the run, and uh, I guess our version of Cicada, who lost his wife in the accident, puts together a team, including people like the Thinker and the Calculator and the Clock King, to basically turn Central City into a giant elaborate death trap to catch the Flash. So by the end of it, he's dispatched this early version of the Rogues Gallery. And the one thing that we threaded through from another movie was that Lex Luthor was the government brain behind putting all this together. They pulled him out of prison, which is where we left him at the end of Superman, to sort of orchestrate this whole thing, and he got his first taste of Legion of Doom. So Wonder Woman is going to be our stepping stone into Justice League, which you may see by the end of this season of Reboot It. Um, and that is sort of the world in which she steps. So with that as a background, your pitch doesn't necessarily have anything to do with that, but we are going to have to integrate it somehow. Now we move into just whatever your top line thoughts are. If you have a full pitch, give it. If you have just something that you know has to be in there, let's talk about it. Billy, I know you're chomping at the bit. Kick us off. What's your pitch for a Wonder Woman movie? All right. So I've been thinking a lot this week about kind of like what, what is this Wonder Woman trying to, to say? We always start with what is the theme? 
And something that I've been thinking about just a lot in the last few months, I had this, uh, I had this economics teacher and every day when the bell rang, he would say, remember who you are and what you stand for. It was always read, read chapter five, be sure to do homework and remember who you are and what you stand for. I thought it was really cheesy. That was kind of lame, rolled my eyes, but it stuck with me all throughout my life now. And so I thought what a great theme for Wonder Woman is remember who you are and what you stand for. And then I started thinking about Wonder Woman in terms of like, you know, there are some versions of her story where she's much like Thor. She's not, you know, a couple hundred years old. She's thousands of years old. She's been around forever. She doesn't age like us. And I started to think, what if you kind of took the 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 spirit and the framework of Steven Spielberg's Hook, and what if Diana Prince has she's she's living now in the present day, and she has completely forgotten that she is Wonder Woman. She the longer that she has been away from Themyscira, she does not remember any of that anymore. But she gets flashes. Maybe she gets uh, these kind of like these hallucinations or these kind of waking dreams or whatever, and their memories of, you know, Themyscira or battles that she has. And it's she feels like she's going crazy. And I think that's where you start with like kind of maybe a little bit of an older Wonder Woman. Maybe this is a 40-ish year old Wonder Woman and she's living her life. And she kind of, you know, it's like, she's not, she's not a bad person by any means, but she's like, I'm just not going to get involved because that's out there. And my life is here. I've got a great job. I've got a great life. I've got everything I want, but she can't stop these images coming into her head of this crazy, of these crazy battles. And what is all this stuff? And she thinks she's going crazy. I mean, you could even really push it and have her be like Sarah Connor at the beginning of Terminator 2, where she's like, I have gone crazy. I used to have a great life and I can't get this out of my head. And then one day someone from Themyscira actually comes and is like, your home is in trouble. You have to come back. And it becomes sort of this theme of remembering that she is a warrior that she does not sit on the sidelines she is the one that acts and she gets things right she remembers who she is and where she came from and that and i don't have necessarily who the villain is or what's happening back at home maybe it's some plot orchestrated by zeus and the person coming to her is actually like strife who's who seems like she's coming to get her, but she's coming for really an ulterior motive. But I just like the idea of starting Wonder Woman almost the same way as Flash, where let's flip it on her head. She's not naive. She just doesn't remember any of this. That's not who she is anymore, but she has to come to grips with, I, I ignored who I was for too long, and now I have to be Wonder Woman because that's who I am. That's my pitch. I think there's a lot of juicy stuff there. I'm, my mind is already swirling with ways to build upon that. And yes, and you. But before we get there, everybody gets their time. Let's go. Ed, what's your pitch? Uh, okay. My, I'm just going to keep mine short and simple and just keep it malleable. Um, I would really like for us to explore the origin of the Themyscarians because that's the one thing I think that they haven't done and this new one is just like Themyscira's here. We're a bunch of ladies. You're welcome, you know. And but Themyscira, when you think about it, if you know the myths, and I, I, I haven't studied my mythology in a long time, but um, I do seem to recall that one of the labors of Heracles, he got awarded the Amazon chicks as like his background dancers, 
they the Amazon the Amazonian warriors as fierce as they were and as powerful in number as they were, Her- Heracles could snap his finger like that and make them do stuff. They were like given to him. So at some point in history, they broke out of that bondage. Okay, at some point in history, they broke away from being the, the Dolomite chicks behind Heracles. That's part of the history that we don't see. I also, like I said, w- I wouldn't mind exploring the whole like, why is your kid so special, Queen? Why why don't we all have little babies we can raise? What and and there is several prophecies that that have been posited in, in DC mythology that Wonder Woman's existence will bring down the fall of Themyscira because of her intense lust for the outside world and why does she have that? And last but not least, no spoilers, but in uh, Wonder Woman Earth One, I we got to tackle how she's made, guys. Uh, and in the new rebirth or whatever the hell DC, she's Zeus's daughter with Hippolyta, the queen of the Amazonians and the earth one uh, story written by Grant Morrison and, and drawn by Yannick Burkett. Uh, Heracles is actually Wonder Woman's dad, because at some point in her bondage, Hippolyta was just like, you know what? Forget it. Come on over here, big man. And she allowed him his way as it were, but she was stealing power from the gods by stealing that from the gods she had a super baby and that was part of you know their escaping bondage jazz so i mean i think there's a story there so just to keep it malleable i'll stop there but like that i'm thinking about that like how the past and the future oh and i might like to make a one pitch for a villain in there medusa medusa was uh poseidon either tricked her or forced himself on her in the temple of athena and that is why Athena was mad. She was like, you're having sex in my temple. What is this? Oh, an Opie and Anthony radio stunt. This is terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so she's super mad, right? At, at, um, at uh, Medusa for having that happen to her, which is really messed up. The Greek myths are full of that stuff. And Medusa's condition is such because a man wronged her and another woman took the man's side, basically. So the, that as a as a villain for Wonder Woman, mm, me piace and the, and the overall the, not the overall plot, but one plot that could be I don't know. There's three Gorgons. One Gorgon shows up and starts whooping Wonder Woman's ass like from stem to stern, whooping her ass, turning people to stone, collateral damage. It's too bad, and Wonder Woman's not prepared for it. And Medusa is trying to raise her other two sisters. There were originally three Gorgons. If one could whoop Wonder Woman's ass, three of them could take over the world and ruin everything. And that's all I got to say. Like I said, I just throw that out there. I was just doing some mythological studies last night and that sort of came to me. So any, if any of that made it in, I'd be super happy. I like it. There was a lot there. You might have to remind us as we move forward, but I, I like it. I, and I like, I like Medusa being a villain because I think that that's a great, it's a great crossover between what people normally think about Wonder Woman and then something like Clash of the Titans, which has such a great cinematic history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron, do you have a pitch for us? Do you have a strong feeling one way or another about the story um look guys i had an idea it's weirder than your guys's idea maybe um i was thinking about like involving apocalypse and the new furies you know the furies that uh Mm -hmm. work work for i'm with you ron i'm I'm, i'm so excited to jump on this go ahead go ahead um and, and the idea is, and I haven't decided exactly where, how that's going to get involved, but I kind of like the idea of them trying to recruit her. And then instead what happens is 
she stands up to apocalypse over and over again. Just on uh, a uh, uh, dark side, I mean, uh, just getting her butt whooped, and but just keeps getting up. And then she inspires the Furies to turn against Darkseid. I don't know, something along those lines. Um, I know that they're fanatical fans of Darkseid, but I just kind of like the idea of her uh, inspiring uh, other female warriors to stand up against oppression. Somewhere, something in, in that line. Um, and I mean, that could be somewhere else. Maybe it doesn't isn't on Apocalypse. Maybe they're on Earth, threatening Earth somehow so that you know, regular people are threatened in the whole thing, but that's the kind of idea that I just love the idea of the new Furies trying to fight Wonder Woman too. So, well, let me. My pitch is going to be similar to that, and and it might be a little bit more involved. Um, first of all, I think it should go without saying that we do not consider Darkseid the de facto Justice League villain. No. Um, there's nothing that says that our Justice League has to include Darkseid as the big bad. Um, obviously, Darkseid should play some role in somewhere down the line in a DC movie verse, but it doesn't have to be this one. So I don't think it's out of bounds that Darkseid becomes a villain in a Wonder Woman movie. I'm not pitching that. Here's what I'm going to pitch. I they kind of I thought they were going to go this way in the Patty Jenkins movie, and they didn't, and it disappointed me. This isn't so much a plot as it is backstory. So maybe we can fit in the plots that you guys have talked about within it. But for me, the thing that Wonder Woman really does for the DC universe in general is defines how magic works and what magic is. She's almost the Doctor Strange of DC, if you can draw the comparison. And I love the idea that the gods are dead and heaven is vacant. The first line of the first New Gods comic is there came a day when the old gods died. Who are the old gods? It's everybody talked about in Wonder Woman mythology to me. Mm-hmm. So I posit a world in which some enormous cataclysm has erased all of the gods of the Amazons from the world. And that is causing problems. And within to that vacant heaven steps the fourth world. When the the old gods of the third world die, the new gods of the fourth world will rise. And I don't know how deep we want to go into that, but I love the idea that within this story of what happens when heaven is vacant and new powers rise to claim, you know, ultimate cosmic consciousness or whatever that might be, whatever we define it as, It has repercussions for the world in which we live. It changes things about the world in which we live. And Wonder Woman, as a character who is so innately tied to godhood and the machinations of the gods, should be the first one to notice this and the one to rally a fight against it. And so I guess I'm just positing a world where, yes, the forces of apocalypse could be the villains, And even more than that, the forces of New Genesis, people like Orion or Mr. Miracle or High Father could be supporting characters in our story. And where I think this might at least dovetail with what Billy was talking about, I think there's a great argument to be made that part of Wonder Woman losing her sense of herself is the death of the old gods. And part of the force that could bring her back to her identity is the rise of the new gods. I mean, what if it is Mr. Miracle or Big Barda or Orion 
who is the first one to be like, you are more than what you think you are. Remember. And like suddenly you have this great confluence of different, like very disparate corners of DC that me personally, I don't think should be that different. So that's, that's my overall pitch. Well, I, weirdly, I think all of this can work together. Maybe, you maybe not. Would. I don't. What does everybody think, Ed? I know I, you I, got reactions. No, no, no. I, well, I was, I was yeah. just thinking. I was like, yeah, I kind of think that there is a way to coalesce at least pieces of everything. The one thing that I will say, and this might just be me, um, I, I am not super into new gods. I think that's where, like, and it's not Blasphemy. even necessarily that I think it's boring. Or, <laughs> what was that? I said blasphemy. blasphemy. I won't yes, hear it. Well, I'm, um, you know, Brian blasphemous. Um, but I, but I think, I think if there's a way, I think, cause when you start talking about all the new God stuff, like I think my eyes glaze over a little bit because it's just, it's so expansive and just so sci-fi that I feel like I get a little lost. So I think if there's a way that we can, and maybe this is what it's all about is kind of distilling it and making it a little bit more digestible, for I'll call myself, you know, Joe Sixpack, the common man. Cause I get, I just, it gets so confusing to me and just so overwhelming that I kind of feel like, you know, for me, and I'm not saying this is what it has to be, but the, the whole reason I pitched what I pitched was because it felt a little more personal. It felt like we were bringing it back down a little bit and making it about Diana and making her a little bit more seasoned. Cause I actually think, she's probably the leader of the Justice League. And I know that they kind of inadvertently or or very clumsily passed the torch to her in that Justice League movie that came out a few years ago. But I see her as kind of the seasoned vet of that team. And, and I, I think making it a little bit more of a personal story is how I saw it. But if, and when I hear New Gods, it feels so impersonal and so big. And I'm not saying that we can't make it that way. I think... Your job or your guys' job is to kind of help me, the audience in this one, understand how that could all coexist. That's where I'm having trouble with it. Well, I mean, my, my only my only reaction is I think the New God stuff is inside the Gal Gadot version of the mascara because of the fact of the mother box being part of their society or whatever. Like they, they put it away and it does something i don't know and they then the never new gods, i mean there's you know, no story to that though no, oh, i like, i agree with that i definitely agree with that i'm just saying it's like uh they've they've no story included it in in, a, in the movie um and you're right they don't do it justice obviously they don't because they we're not going to get into that we're in charge of this new dc universe that we shan't disparage that that or give too many blowjobs to the to the the dc universe as it is so that being the case, like I said, I'm, I'm cool with everything. I just want a character that has that mythological history. And I like one thing I do like about Billy's pitch to yes and Billy's pitch is the I don't necessarily think we should go necessarily older because I do agree with the general consensus that it was a mistake for them to start with an old Batman. You don't start a new DC franchise with an old can Batman. I, can I, I just want to pause you for a second because I find that theory so bullshit. And I'm going to tell you why <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. was a weak 
recovering addict at 43 when he started Iron Man, and they built a whole world around him. This idea that once you are 40, you are dead to any sort of physical movement on film, which, by the way, your stunt double would probably do 85% of it, is horseshit, and I want to toss it because that's how we get pigeonholed into, well, it's got to be a 20-year-old. It's like, well, then you limit a bunch of stories. I Say what you want about Ben Affleck. Fine, whatever. But I like that they at least said, well, this is a character that's been around the block. And by just casting an older guy, you've already set up a lot about that character. Proceed. Uh, My only retort to that, and it shan't have as much venom as your bone maw, Billy, is that... I doubt that. I doubt that. There's going to be some venom. No, no, honestly, because I mean, Billy's actually right. As I approach middle age, I'm finding it less and less, you know, I'm finding more and more and more distasteful that they decide to, especially with women, a woman over 35, throw her in the fire. Ick. You know what I'm saying? So and with dudes, it's getting there. You know what I'm saying? So I agree with all that. We're starting a universe with a very physical character. Starting old doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and, but I we, th- and I think, and one, one last thing, I think what Snyder and them were trying to do was import gravitas by making him old and having us, ca- you know, do a little glance at uh, uh, Jason Todd dead in a dead in a p- p- capsule in the Batcave. You know what I'm saying? They tried to import gravitas. And I'm sorry, just because you pour liquid smoke on ribs don't make them slow smoked. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying <laughs> cast Judy Dench as Wonder Woman. I'm saying 40 years old, I think, is about my sweet spot of, right. you know. Well, and I considering consider. that that uh, that Wonder Woman is uh, sort of like Wolverine, ageless. Like, you know, e- e- being 40 is not, not 40. For Wonder Woman, like I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that's or or mid thirties. It's not, it's not about their age because every Wonder Woman we're about to posit is thirty six or above. Gail Godot is thirty six. Yeah, I'm right. not talking about making her some teen dream that's four pounds. That is not what I am saying. I am saying very simply, Ben Affleck was great, but he didn't have to be an old man. They could, Ben Affleck could have just been like, hey, I'm forty and I happen to be Batman. And I'm part of this new justice stuff and I've been doing it for years and that was fine. But they, they played it up like, oh, my aching back. They made me distasteful, have a distaste for old Batman in the Justice League movies and everything else besides BVS and BVS. He was great. He was great. And he was doing his thing and he was the best on best fighting on screen Batman I've ever seen. I loved it. I, I hear I hear what you're saying. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not suggesting that she's you know, strapping arthritis, you know, knee pads on <laughs> when she, uh, when she, you know, gets up and she's, you know, taking, taking some, some pain relievers. I'm just saying I, uh, and look, I don't even want to get into casting. I'm just saying like, I think it makes more sense to me. Uh, and look, I'm only referring to my pitch at this point. This could, this could be nonsense. I was just saying in my particular pitch, I think it makes more sense if Diana has settled into human life. And she's, you know, a 40-year-old woman who's living her best life. Why would you want to go back to being Wonder Woman? And I love, Bill, to tie in kind of yours, I love the idea that, yeah, that's, you could bring her back. Like, look, you were part of this old regime or or were part of this thing that's dead. I don't expect you to remember anymore because that was maybe thousands of years ago to you. But you are thousands of years old. You, like, that's the one thing that I loved about Hook was that, 
they didn't really have to sit there and be like, well, wait a second. How does he not remember? Like, you just accept the fact that it's like, okay, he's been here for a while. The longer he was away from Neverland, you just put two and two together in your head that there's something about that magical place that once you lose your connection, you kind of forget about it. And I like the idea of someone from her past coming back and being like, your work is not done. You are happy, but this is not who you are. This is not what you stand for. To like, yes and to yes and that. I like all of that. I think that lady can be whatever age she wants to be as long as she's firmly entrenched besides like 20. If she's in her 30s or in her 40s and looks great because she's a movie star, I'm totally fine with that. And I love the fact that if you settle into what I like about it is Themyscira's magic. They never have any sort of real penalty. They always say, Wonder Woman, you are raised on Themyscira, but if you leave... But then she comes back every day and it doesn't matter. Make it matter. The more you get away from the magic of Themyscira, the more your stuff goes down. Maybe your powers start to disappear. Your memories of such powers, if you retain them, seem to disappear. You get intoxicated literally by the world of man. That is a, you know, a a, a consequence. I think you and I are now kind of syncing up on the same page. That's how I feel. And almost the story around it, uh, could be either Ron or Bill, some combination of yours. Because I think, I, I kind of feel like there's two elements to this. There's Diana's story and it's being brought back into it. And then there's kind of the bigger, more sci-fi conflict that she eventually is going to have to deal with it, which is what I didn't really think about. That wasn't what interested me. And, and I'm totally with that. All I'm positing is what that bigger conflict is. 100%. And, and I, by the way, I love I mean, I love the idea that she has been Peter Pan and hooked and, and comes back. And and Ed, I love the idea, too, that that reflects sort of what the penalty of leaving Paradise Island is and what it means. All I'm saying, then, is how do you bring her back into the world of magic and myth? I I don't think there's a more compelling idea than the idea that basically the, it, there's been a... <laughs> there's been a disaster in the realm of gods. You know what I mean? And Billy, to your point about how to make you care about the new gods, I'm going to make this pitch as concisely as possible, but I see the new gods sort of functioning the same way that the Sandman does in the DC universe. And if you're familiar with the Sandman, there's this idea that dream Morpheus is one of seven endless and the endless are personifications of, of, um, fundamental truths in the universe. So Dream, the main character of the Sandman, controls stories, controls the human ability to imagine things. And that becomes sort of the, the through line of that series, which is very beloved. In no other text do they ever explain what being a god means. And it's always sort of treated in that Thor way of like, you're just a powerful alien. Like that's all being a god means. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'd like to put that somewhere in between, right? Somewhere in between the endless and being a powerful alien. If the endless exists and there are these entities that basically can control aspects of life, I think you extend that power to the gods. You know, if if Zeus, for example, is the god of thunder or the god of storms or however you want to couch that, I would say that both nature on Earth responds to whatever Zeus is thinking or feeling, but then the way that humans react to nature on earth 
sort of impacts the power of Zeus. We don't have to explain this in the movie. I'm just sort of given the background. But the idea being that you have an entity, a person, whose personal experiences have this ripple effect on the world. I think the new gods are just that. You know, if Darkseid is the god of tyranny or the god of fascism, or I like to think of him as the god of nihilism, you know, the more that people in the world or in the universe are feeling hopeless and oppressed, the power of dark side grows, which also means that as a person, as an actor, dark side will go out into the universe to crush people under his heel because the very act of doing so gives him power. And so the way that I think that becomes a simple storytelling tool is that there's just that feedback loop. Like it, it posits a world in which evil does evil for evil's sake because it is the personification of evil. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that sounds as simple as it feels in my head. Well, I was just <laughs> thinking as you were saying, as you were kind of explaining it to me, I almost felt like you were the character coming to me, Diana, telling me why this was important. Because I think she'd be like, this sounds first of all made up and crazy and you need to get out of my house. But second of all, let's just assume this is all true. That sounds like you guys and your crazy world over there. That has nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with the world here. And them being like, yes, it does. All of this matters. You know, I, so in that well, way, I, I almost I, feel like that's how you, you rewrite that scene, you know? Yeah. I mean, I even have an idea. Okay. Cause one of the things that I think always beats fascism and nihilism in general is actual truth. The truth of power, the truth of uh, the truth what's of her actually lasso. happening, the truth of her lasso. But she could basically be sort of like a stand-in for the god of truth. Um, uh, not that she necessarily becomes a god, but more like a representation of truth, maybe even humanity as truth. If, well, it's if that, you know what it is, Ron. I, not to cut you off, but I mean, yeah. I like all that. I think you so you make her kind of what she's been in the comics. She's an enforcer. For the for good gods, and so if if High Father of New Genesis, who is basically just your Jesus stand-in in the in the New Gods mythology, is the god of truth, then her fighting on his behalf gives the forces of good power in this endless cosmic struggle. And I think you can, again, you don't have to explain all this, but it, I think it's easy enough to communicate if you can just establish that look. In this, it's almost it's almost what they did in the Masters of the Universe movie. That in this far away um, other dimension, there exist these eternal powers that wax and wane based on what happens in our world. And the more that we can fight for things that are good, like truth, the more that this other heaven doesn't fall victim to the god of all evil. You know, and it just it becomes that feedback loop. Okay, 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 okay. I was thinking, I think I got it. I would say it as quickly as possible. Dark side comes and beats the crap out of the new gods. Dark side comes to Earth and beats the crap out of our pantheon. He's enslaved to pantheons like that because he's so powerful and he's the greatest. That starts having ripple effects on, on Earth. Somebody from either the, the new Genesis lit place or the old pantheon or some combination thereof, like Hermes and one of the new gods escape, Big Barda. 
and uh, Mr. Miracle escape and come bring her this message from the, from her old gods that are all shackled up in the same jail. I don't know. I don't care. I have an but, idea. But, but darks, but darks, dark side is. I like the fact that, like, I mean, just let's just own it. It in order in order for us to not have to introduce every damn new god or introduce more than just dark side. Have dark side have enslaved them. At the end of the movie, what Diana will have been, what, what Diana will have done is save the earth reinstall the, the pantheon uh, to their rightful place of over here not necessarily you know influencing earth and everything because we've moved past you and i'm sorry but you don't have to die you could be in a god retirement home and the new gods go back to where you came from be in your firmament have your powers back or whatever and dark side put in prison or something at the end i just think it's like one of those things where if we concentrate on dark side we can hint at the larger new god stuff we can even bring a couple of those characters out but we don't have to billy glaze everybody with all can the I yes, can i yes and you ed i also mm-hmm. think what would be really interesting especially if because there has to be some sort of conflict within herself if she you know if I she's actually, gonna believe this or not i'm wondering if we're going the same spot i would love if dark side in whatever appearance or if it's one of his minions but i would love if it was dark side kind of in human form comes to her and is like no you're actually suffering like like is like, no, you're crazy or no, like you have a brain tumor or something like none of this is real. You've been hallucinating this whole time. Like you have to somehow plant the seed of doubt because you have to think if they're coming for Diana to come back and fix all this. Dark side's going to know, like the only person who could possibly stop me is this kid that left a long time ago. Yeah. I have to, I don't think I can beat her, but I could just convince her none of this is real and for her to never come back here. I think that would be kind of the the way to kind of tangle it up because ultimately Diana has to choose to believe that she is Wonder Woman and that her place is to stand up and fight oppression. Like it has to be her choice. It can't just be like, oh, you forgot. And she's like, oh, thanks for reminding me. And then the movie mm-hmm. turns into I, something else. I have mm-hmm. a nice, I, I like, okay. So here's where I'm thinking about it is like maybe in the time that she's forgotten everything, you know, she's doing really well. But let's say she's like like a gray area businesswoman where like I where where like like basically she's like a like running a corporation. She's almost almost she's like doing a good job and is helping people in, in some ways, but is also sort of on the line of kind of bad. That's where I think the idea of him coming to either lie to her or to recruit her uh, um, where she's got to finally make a choice to be, I don't know. Does this make any sense where I'm trying to basically it's like, I, I just kind of see a point where she's like trying to be like where she's almost going to go to their side because, she, because she wants to just go ahead and keep living a life where she's doing well, where right. she has her but house, going to their side is just to not act. It's to keep her life the way it is. I think that's like okay. the one thing about Captain America. If I had to have any sort of criticism, it's that he never once really thinks like, am I doing the right thing? Like he knows the whole time, which I would love if Wonder Woman actually, it's like you have everything you wanted right here. But can you make that sacrifice to be Wonder Woman? Because that's who you actually are to me. There's there's a real feminist issue there, too, where if Wonder Woman is the rich white woman and she's like, it's not my problem. You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't affect me. You're trying you're telling me I have to fight a war or, you know, whatever that whatever that means in the context of our movie. But like she's 
she's the one to be like this doesn't this doesn't affect me like okay, don't well yeah okay well now we need something okay I, I like it where everybody's going but now we need something that makes her change her mind right so so what is that and it cannot be a love story i just want to say that i don't think there should be any love story in this at all just my opinion I think, in my mind, I think Steve Trevor's dead. I think she forgot that she even was, that was why she came in the first place. Oh, that's interesting. I like that idea that, like, she did actually have the Wonder Woman origin somewhere. I mean, it could be 100 mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, it could be the Patty Jenkins movie, right? It, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly Ooh. what I was trying to get at earlier, where I'm saying oh, yeah, it's not yeah. stepping on it. It's kind of like Incredible Hulk to Ang Lee's Hulk, where it's just like, if you want to, you can connect dots that maybe are, aren't there. But that's why I was like, we we don't have to step on what came before while not necessarily incorporating it. I like the idea that maybe Steve Trevor was in the past, but she doesn't remember anymore. That doesn't even sound like World War Two. Like that, that I wasn't I wasn't around for that. I don't remember that, you know. Yeah, well, and also, yeah, I'll go ahead. And I'm just going to guess, and the fact that she just she's so mixed up that like once she starts finding stuff like old pictures from World War One and stuff and like and like where she bar- where she may have like buried certain ancient weapons that she used to have or, or th- you know, like she kills some the last Gorgon in the 1500s or whatever and leaves her sword somewhere. You know what I mean? Just like all these artifacts that she uh, one thing uh, my pitch was for for her job. I get that she's successful, but I would just like for her to be on some level tantalizingly close to understanding what she is at all times. 100%. And I think, like, mm. how much would that mess you up if then you found pictures of you from 400 years ago and, like, this weapon that you buried that mm. you have no memory of? Like, I like even think that that's... Yeah, but like, like even if she's like a professor of ancient world studies and she knows these all less stories... And, great. and she's you know, written books and stuff, and that's why she's doing really you know, well. You know what I mean? Like she has this preternatural knowledge of all this Greek crap, but she thinks it's all a bunch of garbage, and she thinks that modern thinking is needs to throw it away and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff, which you know a lot of people would argue is true. I kind of love I kind of love the idea of making her sort of agnostic or atheist in sort of an aggressive way mm-hmm. where she thinks you know, mm-hmm. belief in deities and, and all this stuff is sort of the relic of some lost age. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is what ignorant people did years and years ago. This is not what we yeah, believe in modern era. explain phenomenon they couldn't understand. And yeah, this, also, is, yes, this is uncomfortable yes. as an atheist, by the way. No, no, no same, but, same. But, but, yet, but, but to yes and <laughs> but that. But it's a great story. To yes and that, religion and obey, obeyance to deities and stuff is also, and you listen to me now, it's also one of the main ways to keep women down. It's one of the main tools to yeah. keep women down. So I would definitely see how she could have this weird feminist. She has a, she has a not weird. She has a feminist and atheistic attitude that has made her be okay in the world of man and the world of this modern stuff. That's all wrong, but she has to do this kind of regressive to progress thing. Mm. You know what I mean? She has to go, you know, regress to progress and and overcome the fact that like she's been blinded by the modern world and and that's why she can't call up a bunch of amazonians to help her as they've been subjugated through this whole process of her awakening as one person sometimes you leave your sisters behind would you just get your your piece well and and by the way i i do think that dovetails with the new gods in so much as like jack kirby was really positing a new spirituality and his whole definition of good and bad was based on the idea of bad is 
systems of repression and control. And good is basically chaos. Like good is in all individuals making their own choices for their own happiness. Mm. And I think that there is something to what you're saying where like the old shitty religions are based on these patriarchal ideas that keep people in their place. And the new positive religion is about self-actualization. And, and supporting each other. How about that? Yeah. Self-actualization oh, no. that actually helps other people. Oh, what's Speaking that? of not helping. I don't hear anything. I don't oh, hear anything. No. <laughs> Gentlemen, let me just say, nothing brings a smile to my face quite like my four male development executives working hard on this sexy Wonder Woman reboot. Oh, no. This is, this is the best of all possible worlds for me. Listen, this franchise has everything. Big, voluptuous women. I mean, really, that's all you need. That ha That's everything. That is everything. Here's what I need from you guys. I need some hot girl-on-girl -girl action in this movie. I mean, if you're not going to do it in a Wonder Woman movie, where are you going to do it? So I want to see half-naked, oily women wrestling for the fate of the world. I mean, intertwined bodies, you know, hot and heavy. You know what I like. I mean, let, I don't have to say it. It's inappropriate if I say it, but if you make it and I like it, we make money. That's how this works. So, gentlemen, Wonder Woman, voluptuous women, minimal clothing, hot wrestling for the fate of the of the fate of the world. I, there's nothing. How? What else are you gonna do? Did I even have to make this call? You should have been doing this anyway. All right, uh, you know, make sure you send me the script so I can uh, do a, a a private review, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, okay, guys, I never <laughs> thought I never thought I would agree so much with John Peters. I'm totally I mean, cool with it. <laughs> Ed, Ed. <laughs> I mean, he said large voluptuous women, and did he say anything else? But after that, I stopped listening. Ed, Ed blanked out. <laughs> It's just great. At Ed Greer Destroys on Twitter, ladies. At Ed Greer Destroys. Send hey. all comments. All Ed, humans. Ed, Ed likes big voluptuous women. And let me tell you something else. Ed respects big voluptuous women. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ron's right. No, but I, I'm uh, actually but, right. Yeah. But, but I mean, for obvious reasons, but because uh, you respect people. But the bottom line is uh, what he said was really messed up. And I don't know how we're going to do it because mud wrestling for the heart of the future. Uh, there's there are a lot of new apocalypse. Maybe there's a scene where she's gathering up the Furies and the Furies are dirty from being on apocalypse. And she's like gathering an army of Furies and Themyscarans and freeing them from bondage. And they're all kind of dirty and rubbing up against each other in a big phalanx of woman power. Maybe well, that would satisfy. I have him. an idea. I have an idea. If she's if she's a professor and she's talking about all these old old archaic stories and mythologies, can it just be, you know, like a, a slide on a slideshow or something, an artist's illustration or some some I, old I like, timey video that was made like in the seventies that she's showing her class? Yeah, I, just, I actually you know? I think it, what it is is uh you know somebody saying that it's I don't know some some dude student being like. Uh, oh, lesbianism? Lesbianism is new. That's totally new. And she's like, no, it isn't. And then... <laughs> no, no, veto that idea. 
hardcore. Look at these pictures in my class. <laughs> I, th- I think she's like showing her class some pots and stuff. They got naked people wrestling on them and doing the early, the early Olympics were a strictly naked event. There was wrestling, a lot of wrestling and blah, blah. And um, yeah. But I think it's, if you have to put it in there, you almost make it like a, a really outdated video that she's showing her class or something where it's just like, look, we've we fulfilled your it's i see it in my mind at least the spirit mm. of when chris evans comes out in the captain america crappy suit because he's trying to be an actor you know of sell some bonds like that kind of spirit of what people think that this ancient island was like so when we see the actual amazons the dichotomy mm. of what humans thought it was to what it actually is at least lands Hold on. Okay. Hold, I, I got to say this. This is a 180. Yes, that, that all works, Billy. So I, I don't want to discount that, but I did no, think of something. So number one, I feel like one thing to take away that might be useful from the Peter suggestion is that we should have Wonder Woman fighting another woman at some point and in a battle that is meaningful. But what if... We get into some, you know, climax of the second act, cosmic shenanigans. But what if the final battle, we almost pull a dark night where like the, 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 the very final confrontation is this very small confrontation. And what if it's Wonder Woman versus somebody in the clay of Themyscira, the island that has since been abandoned, all the other Amazons may be dead or something. It's like, what if this, this major conflict ends up in the dirt of Themyscira, Wonder Woman one-on-one fighting somebody for the fate of the world in some way. Look, you know I, I mean? absolutely love that conceptually. I love it. I don't know how... <laughs> it's like, the of story. course, four guys would end up in the third act of this movie, mud wrestling. Like, I look, I, I love the idea. I just don't know if you could convincingly skirt that uh, inevitable criticism of it. I definitely don't think it should be mud wrestling. So I'm. Let me just be but, clear. But that's of not. Course, what of course, of course, of course, it's not. Like I'm thinking of like the end of like Hobbs and Shaw, where they're fighting kind of like in that muddy, rainy, ridiculous fight. But I, I just don't. I don't know how you get around that unless you just poke fun at the obvious facts that well, like it's I, a terrible suggestion. Okay, well maybe it's big. I mean, it doesn't have to be in the mud, but maybe Big Barda and her. Like she's tr- big Barda is trying to get her to remember, you know, who she is. And they have a, a, a good wrestling match. And, 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 well, dude, but, but, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to come up that, with no. something because we've got to use on, this. The rules guys, are that we you, have to use this. Oh, so no, how well, do we number do one, it? number one, he doesn't read these scripts, Ron. You oh, know, he's never point. read one of these. They don't have enough good pictures. Point. That's number one. Number two, we've skirted around it a bunch of times with humorous answers. So I don't hear that crap. But number three, I love what you just said, Ron. This whole thing of like Big Barter trying to make her like try to force her to remember like, look, we don't got time for this. This stupid bitch has messed up our timeline. We, we're, the boom two is about to open up. She's still talking about she's a history professor. I'm gonna knock some sense into this chick. She just and they, and they start, into start a whooping wall. ass and they yeah. start whooping ass. And I think what's interesting about that is just uh, I don't know introducing. I love Big Barda. Me too. Having her be a a, a a backup character in this in this story seems to make a lot of sense. What if All she's the villain? Is, it just has to be inadvertently sexy like we can't yeah. shoot it right, as right. a sexy thing it has to be like 
like, oh, if you got off on that, that's a you thing. It's actually critical to the story, which, Bill, to your point, that's that's what you pitched. And and to, to yeah. be fair, I actually yeah. really loved that that idea. I just was seeing the criticism of people who would misinterpret or, you know, put intentions that we never had in there. That's all I was saying. Can I go back to Big Barda for a second? Um, what if... What if winning Big Barda over to the cause of good is the climax of the movie? What if Big Barda is the villain and Wonder Woman has to redeem her and we sort of leave Big Barda as like, you know, defecting from Apocalypse, which is her canon in DC. That's the end of this movie. I love that. that. Here's the other thing that just Mm. came to my head. If the Amazons were these female enforcers for the gods that lived on Paradise Island, and now the old gods are dead or, to Ed's point, imprisoned, overtaken by Darkseid, and the female Furies are the new female enforcers, and they're basically going to occupy Themyscira and make that the new beachhead of the forces of Apocalypse on Earth, Wonder Woman and Big Barda are invariably going to be fighting, and frankly, Big Barda could be more powerful. And so it becomes this thing. Maybe Mr. Miracle is the supporting character that recruits Diana out of her normal life and brings her into this weird cosmic conflict. And you you just plant the seeds of the romance between Mr. Miracle and Big Barda that can be picked up later. You know what I mean? But I, I'm well because really, he's because he's really he, he's really able to fall in love with Big Barda once Big Barda is able to and Wonder Woman is able to help Big Barda throw off the programming of Darkseid. And really, you get- the only question left in my brain, because this this all kind of coalesces together, which I knew it would. Uh, the only question <laughs> that I kind of have in my brain still left is, what is that moment of doubt in, like, you know, at the end of the second act where mm. she, Diana's, like, either either doesn't accept that this is real and doesn't accept this, or she accepts that it's real but doesn't choose, like, chooses you know, has a, a choice to make between going back. Like there has, I don't know what that moment is yet. And I feel like that's the crux that's of, of the this keys. movie. Like it hinges on that, on whatever that thing is. I have, I have two thoughts on that. Number one, and this might be more of like first half of the movie stuff, but in final crisis, which was written by Grant Morrison, one of the big plot points is that the new gods all incarnate as like average people on earth. And so, you know, um, it's everybody from like a televangelist to like a, a, a nightclub owner to, you know, it's just average people who start doing things to generally start moving Earth toward being, toward raising the power of the, of the evil gods. So there's, there's the precedent for like, Things are happening that Diana can just write off as being like, no, this is just people being shitty or this is just this is, you know, this isn't the work of cosmic evil. This is just nonsense. Um, That's the first half of the movie. One of the things that I always loved, this is my second suggestion about this concept of dark side and what his godhood means is the idea that if you fight, you make him more powerful. Because he is a god whose power is derived from base conflict. And so confronting a warrior with that idea, which is also something that I feel like people talk, it's the whole Antifa argument, right? 
even if you're fighting from a place of I hate fascism, the very fact of fighting, the very fact of bringing violence into the conversation at all means you've lost, means you suck, means you're helping the other side. What if that's made explicit to Diana? What if that's at the end of the second act? It's like, now you're back. You've gotten past your idea. You know, you've gotten past your idea that this isn't real. But the very act of trying to fight against me is going to make me more powerful. You have no hope. Give up. Because just just engaging in this fight increases my strength. Like I feed off of your I feed off of your war. Well, I want to I want to yes add that in a way that doesn't have us like all crossing our arms, looking at each other hard for the third act. Um, (laughs) I think what would be interesting about that is. I think dark side in general should thrive on actual conflict and discord because I think conflict and discord is what really fuels them. I understand what Grant Morrison was saying. I'm saying something slightly different, which is conflict and discord fills him kind of like Aries in the first movie, kind of. And I just think if the Furies who are the, who are the powerful women who could beat him that he's got enslaved and the Themyscirans who have been put into obscurity and imprisoned on their own Island or something like that, finally yes. get together and are good, okay with each other and are able to turn on their bad guy, that could be enough unity to break some of his crap or whatever. And they could actually have a fight of a billion, a, a bunch of people fighting dark side and a knockdown drag out. Don't deny the audience that please. Listen, <laughs> wait a minute. Let me let, let me yes. And you, what if the moment she turns Barda based on everything I just said is that moment in the clay of Themyscira, but Diana never throws a punch. She just keeps getting her ass kicked and just keeps getting back up. Because as much as this woman tries to break her physically, she, her response is, I forgive you, I love you, you are my sister. And like literally is just getting the shit beat out of her in the rain and the mud and just keeps hauling her ass back up to take more punishment. And with every punch that's thrown, it becomes weaker because it's that actualization of of what we're talking about. Like when you fight, when you fight, even in the name of self-righteousness, you are adding to conflict and it's being able to it's being able to withstand. It's being able to to not break. That is true strength, not in bending others to your whim. Remember who you are and what you stand for. I think that. I think that fits. And that I love literally that's, gave almost, me chills. It's a little bit like that winter soldier, the end where he's, he's just like, I'm with you buck to the end of the yes. line. It's the same yes. beat, you know? Right. And, and, and I get, I get all that. All I'm saying is you earn that you get big Barda on your side and then right. you whoop some ass. Yes. <laughs> right. So that's, that's the moment. That's the third act turn, right? So the end of the second act, you lose all hope. And then your big, your big next level thing is it's me against this army and this woman who I know is stronger than me. And I'm going to take it because I don't believe I have to hurt her. And so everything I say happens, Barda turns, turns the furies. And then yes, the third act becomes, we are going to march over dark side in the name of new Genesis or whatever, you know, however it's defined in the movie. Humanity. Right, because you're saving two worlds. You're saving two worlds. I think that's very important. You're saving, he conquered them, and now he's about to make us into apocalypse. Oh, my God. And that's why the audience can understand why this has stakes. Because take your ass to apocalypse and look at that. 
and take your ass back to Earth and look at all these trees and notice the difference. <laughs> well, and you know what it is too. You know what you could do, and I, Ed, I don't know if you like this because I know that you like you want to see you know a billion people beating up on Dark Side, but mm. this goes back to the William Moulton Marston of it all. What if it's not we're going to go kill Dark Side? We're going to go. T- basically shackle dark side we're gonna go tie up dark side we are the going bondage. to make dark side submit right yeah. we mm-hmm. are going to strap his ass down with our magic lassos and whatever else until you know for re-education purposes until he <laughs> gives up all this i was what gonna say I- until <laughs> justice league the following <laughs> summer <laughs> and right. he's gonna and he's gonna fight back so you're gonna get to see a fight anyways and yeah, then, just the capture of the capture of somebody as powerful as Dark Side is fine. I am not a bloodluster. I don't need to see you know weird black blood through the yeah. coming out of his kind of kind of his stone chin. I don't need to see all that. But I will say uh, I I love all that togetherness and stuff, and I love the fact that like it is the dish the the part of the magic of Wonder Woman back in the days was if you ever put her wristbands together, you had her. If you got it across her wrist and you could bind them, she couldn't get out of it. You could take a piece of twine and put it around her wrists. I'm just saying Darkseid knows the mythology of his world and he understands the mythology of our world. So I think he could figure out a way along with the female furies and the other forces of apocalypse to put the Themyscarans in bondage. And to have them come out of bondage is very Marston, you know, and the fact that you must submit to female authority is what we get. Uh, William Marston is rolling over on top of one of his women in his grave, and and it's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he loves this. I'm sure he I loves know that's, this, dude. That's it. We are forcing Darkseid to submit to loving female authority. That is the mm-hmm. end of that is the climax of this movie. Todd, yeah, I love it. All right, guys. Guys, uh, can I just process. say real quick that I thought when we were going to do these pitches around tables, like there's no way this is going to work, and somehow uh, we came up with a story. I love it. I, I concurred with that. I, I was very pessimistic, but that's why pessimism doesn't I mean, win. That's why I, dark side doesn't win. I was running late today and uh, I did not hear that part. And when you said we were doing that, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> that was uh, we just didn't want you to overthink it, Ron. That was all. Yeah, I no, thanks. I appreciate it. All right. So let's let's get it. Let, so, oh, God. OK, well, let's get into it. How do we cast, cast this bad it. boy? So we we need this is an interesting <laughs> casting thing, too, because we are casting now Wonder Woman and Big Barda, who are very similar, but not they don't necessarily have to be. But those are two powerful women right there that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, we should cast Darkseid because that and, you know, we should maybe think of it as like Darkseid has a human form and then Darkseid has his new God form. And maybe it's I'm the thinking. same actor. Maybe it's not. Um mm-hmm. But then, you know, we could fill in other female furies if we want. We can cast a Desaad, who's sort of Darkseid's right-hand torturer, um, who could definitely be involved in a lot of the subterfusion lying that we're talking about. Frankly, Ed, we could still work Medusa in here, too, by the way, if she's sort of like this mythal- mythical creature and the source of her power is all dead and and shackled elsewhere. It's like you could still have a Medusa fight. Um, oh, I, th- I think I think I wasn't lamenting the loss of that because I feel like there is a portion where she's discovering who she is, where she might mess around and have a fight with Medusa and have to do the tried and true. Don't look at her stuff and find her sacred weapon to to like do the, you know, do the whole class for the Titans thing, but in a more urban fantasy sure. uh, situation and defeat Medusa and be like, OK, number one, that was messed up. And number two, why does my heart hurt so much? 
is because she knows the story of how much this woman suffered and her being sent to some sort of assassin emissary means something's really bad and blah blah, blah. it could like help her to, to that could that wrong. could also yeah that could start to establish some of what we lean into in the third act of this idea of like it's not about going and killing and 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 murdering mm. it's about like earning submission earning love and submission mm-hmm. um absolutely so yeah anyway so so casting wonder woman big barda uh i think let's talk dark side we could fill in anybody around dark side that we want i do think having um like a high father is just a fun casting act acts because who could basically play god in this universe who is our benevolent god who's imprisoned through most of the movie but you know shows up to shake hands at the end um and then maybe a mr miracle I mean, if we're talking about who is this person that starts to open Diana's eyes to her lost heritage, also open if you guys think that should be somebody else from the mythology, some other character, but I'm, I'm just throwing out Mr. Miracle right now. Um, hmm. Well, I think Mr. Miracle has to be sort of, uh, I guess we start, yeah, well, let's just, just, just do the men first of the Wonder Woman uh, movie because uh, <laughs> I want to see the comment section light up. So let, well, let's get them out of the way, though, for real, so we can really concentrate on the women characters. Also, Ed, to your point about um, the, the backstory, if Mr. Miracle is the only one to escape from Darkseid's prison and he mm. makes it to Earth, but with none of his godly regalia and now has to convince Wonder Woman to join this fight, even though he looks like a crazy hobo man. I mean, mm. that is Mr. Miracle. Like he's mm-hmm. the god of escape, right? Like he's the god of freedom. And, mm-hmm. and that's his backstory is he escapes from the fire pits of apocalypse to, to earth to bring the superheroes to the fight on apocalypse. So this all works. Yeah. He just has to be a hopeful young man. That's kind of what Mr. Miracle's whole casting brief should be like casting 20 something to early 30 something hopeful young men. And even My if John he was Boyega you know, as Mr. Miracle is a hell of a piece of casting. I was going to say Michael Sarah, but I love John Boyega. So I Michael Sarah. <laughs> Yeah, isn't he the but guy? I, from- I, I feel bad for Michael Sarah because, like, no matter what the role is, he if, if it's not comedy, I'm not buying it. Like, he immediately. Well, Mr. Miracle's kind of funny. Well, dude, dude, look, I know I sometimes like we're, we- under, we're we're telling the audience what kind of movie it is. If you trot out Michael Sarah, you kind of inadvertently tell them that this is not serious. That's Sorry, a good point. That's, well, that's that's what he did to himself. Well, and I, I I love John Boyega for two reasons. Number one, if you have if you must have exposition done in a movie, have it done by a British person. Just it just it's just a fact of life. Just have them do, do that. And and I also think that it's one of those things where I I buy him as somebody who had to escape horrible circumstances and maybe just maybe over the course of these movies he'll actually get a story instead of being a nameless stormtrooper his entire life with nothing to do and no goals it's kind of a it's kind of a redo of his story from uh the sequel trilogy but you know done better one would hope one would hope um, all right. I'd, I'd love down. for him to be in the room. I'd love for him to be in the room. I would love for uh, 10 years ago, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal to be in the room. I was um, thinking Nicholas Holt <laughs> could be a potential. Oh, yeah, I like him, I think. Yeah. yeah. I find him inoffensive. That's <laughs> exactly what I was going for. I was like, yeah. you know what? Who could just like, you'd be like, all right, like you're not mad. You're not jazzed. You're just. <laughs> no, a- absolutely. And he doesn't project any sort of like, I, one thing I thought was so whack about him playing Beast, and maybe I'm wrong, is that that was correct, right? He played Beast yeah. in the newer movies. Yeah. 
is that he wasn't I, he got the effete smart part right, but could never get the menacing part right. There's a part of the beast that is a beast. I will rip your throat out if I forget that I'm not supposed to. I was doing some uh, some quadratic equations last night and I got confused. And now I'm Wolverine for five seconds. There was a lot of that in the new X-Men run. You know, with you the just, second you, mutation. you need that Kelsey Grammer energy, man. He just didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Niles, I'm the beast. But I, I'm just I'm just saying Nicholas. Okay, fine. Nicholas Holt, take him off. I, I just threw it out there. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I love him because he, Mr. Miracle is not imposing. His thing is to escape. His thing is to run. Him, John Boyega, and somebody else in that room, I think Mr. Maybe Miracle like is going to get casted. Eddie Redmayne, although I don't, I feel like people don't like him anymore. Am I wrong? On that? I, I don't like him for a yeah. lot of reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like just one of the people that I was going to suggest for Big Barda. A lot of people don't like her. Because she's a big mouth. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I think I, I think one of my Wonder Woman may be in the same boat. So this could be a very controversial casting. I think session. we're thinking of the same actress, I think. Probably. Um, <laughs> well, maybe we should just talk about that right now, then, as long yes, as we're we on the subject. Like, one, two, three, go. <laughs> what, one, two, three. Gina Carano. What? Oh. <laughs> All right. I was thinking Rosario Dawson for either Wonder Woman or Big Barda, but again, I think I brought this up a couple episodes ago. She's she's got some weird accusations against her that I don't know if they ever went anywhere. Uh, but I just I love too that she already kind of has a little bit of the connection because she was the voice of Wonder Woman in a lot of those New Fifty Two DC cartoons. Um, mm. Plus, she I I that's. Look, when I know now we're jumping all around, and I apologize. Uh, but that's what I kind of pictured in my mind in terms of like an age range for a Wonder Woman, because my other choice was Marina Baccarin, where it's mm. just like not old, but certainly not, you know, I don't want the Anna Kendrick, <laughs> Alexandra Daddario just graduated high school Wonder Woman. I want a mm. Wonder Woman that's lived some life, you know? Well, who and also like you would buy as being a warrior, right? Like you want to you want a Wonder Woman who could also play like a captain in the army in a different movie. Well, we've we've mentioned this lady a couple of times. Uh, uh, the lady uh, Anna Diarmas. Yeah. Um, I don't know how tall she is though, and you need someone pretty tall. I guess I, I, but- I, I'm gonna I'm gonna not I'm not poo pooing what you're saying. I'm or your suggestion. I'm poo pooing what you're about to say right now because one of the biggest, stupidest, dumbest criticisms that Gal Gadot was she's too skinny. She's too skinny. She doesn't mm-hmm. look buff, and now she's like quintessential, most iconic version of that character. So that's true. I'm not going to, if it, if it's height, weight, whatever, I'm calling BS right now. That shouldn't have anything to do with it. Unless it's Big it Barda. I don't want the... some skinny ass Big Barda. I'm going to tell you that right now. I all don't, right. I don't care if you want to argue about that. I will argue about that. Well, big but, Barda but also, has to be a big Barda. Also, to be clear, I am on Team Ron on that in that Barda, I think it's a prime place to give charity wit or, 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 or Della Della Spiegel or some of these CrossFit chicks who are literally the background dancers in the earlier movie because, oh, you're too manly or too big to be an actual romantic lead in this movie and you don't have enough acting chops. Big Barter is the perfect role for a girl Batista. Get out of here. That's the perfect role for a girl Batista. You know, you, you can barely act. Stand over here and be imposing and beat the crap out of this beautiful Hollywood woman. 
if we can have a place where here's my here's you know. my only problem with what you're saying, Ed, is I get flashes of Ronda Rousey in that Fast uh, and the Furious movie. Bill, I'm on your same wavelength. I was just thinking, I agree. That's so bad. It can't and be frankly, that bad. Even, she's anti charisma, and so is Gina Carano. Gina frankly, Carano is too. For by me. the way, that's uh, no. I, I agree. I agree with that. For, Haywire sucks. It's got a big, beautiful woman having a fist fight every two seconds, and it sucks and it's boring because she sucks. So yeah. I get that. I mean, the, the the counter argument then would be Zoe Bell who, you know, started off as Uma Thurman's stunt woman and now has become sort of a favorite of Quentin Tarantino. She was Kurt Russell's wife in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and she keeps getting more and more high profile work. She's incredibly charismatic. I don't know if she could play Big Barda or Wonder Woman. I don't know if she really has the look and presence for that, but maybe. Um, I think she could. That idea of, of finding somebody who has the physical chops first the only thing about Barda is if that actress can't sell that turn that I keep, I just keep hitting this woman and she just keeps getting up and like mm. that turn from hate to respect from, you know what I mean? Like mm. there's so much hanging on that moment. You need an actress. I'm with sell. you, Bill. Cause it's like, look, if Christian Bale can gain 70 pounds and Chris Pratt can lose it. Like, I don't care about the physical, like, if the the performance has to be there, we can steroid them up or put them on a, a treadmill if we have to, whatever it takes. But you can't manufacture emotion like you can a Hollywood body. Uh, for, yeah, Kumail, for Nanji- smaller, so. Kumail Nanjiani, you know what I mean? So, yeah, right. I, right. I, I so agree. it's like when when thinking of these actresses and, and actors, too, um, I'm not worried about body type um, i think that was uh, i think fans got too too obsessed with body type for that first one with gal gadot so i'm thinking more performance wise now in my opinion you get someone like a rosario dawson who could play either one she doesn't it doesn't like she i buy her if you told me like oh she also is like a martial artist or a fighter i believe you like she's just built a little bit more i don't know uh Sturdy is probably a terrible word, but I can't. I, I'm lacking I hear it. an adjective. No, I, I hear you. I hear what you. Yeah, saying. she's built a little more, a, a little more stout, a little bit more like like I believe she's a fighter, but she also has the acting chops. Oh, mm. I got someone for Mister Miracle. Okay, <laughs> Tom Holland. <laughs> yes, damn you! It's almost good though. That's what I yes, hate about is. some of these. It is. It's yes. not bad. That's what I hate about something. So, okay. So, also, Mr. I have Miracles. to say this because people complained that I hadn't said Tom Holland for a while. And I just want to let you guys know I haven't forgot about him. I mean, Tom Holland <laughs> would have been a killer Zorro. I'm very sorry that we missed out on that. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, Holland and Boyega and Holt in the room fighting it out to be. Um, to be, I think Holt is just the uh, is just the uh, the live negotiating tactic. Uh, for <laughs> if, if you don't do it for this price, we're gonna go with Holt. I think that's the only reason he's there. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Oh. Um, what if you did something like how they found Tom Holland? Like, what if you just opened it up to new actresses? I mean, I know that we're supposed to like pick someone famous in this like, you know, already existent thing. But what if you found somebody who just was like perfect for the part? 
I mean, I, I don't I don't know if that's an option. I know that's probably not what we're supposed to be doing here on Reboot It, but that's kind of what feels best to it's me. Not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, I Look, Gal Gadot was, I think she really, she, you know, she was in Fast and Furious. I think she she died by that point in the in the franchise. So it's not like she was a household name yet like she is now. So it's it's possible. Um I would I would think at least one of the two of of Wonder Woman or Big Barda needs to be your yeah. your your A-lister. I was going to say I, I would almost buy an unknown as Barda. Like that would be a great role. Like there's not a lot on your shoulders, right? Up until that one moment, because before yeah. that you're just the heavy. And so if you can find a woman who has the presence to be the heavy, and then you just give her that one meaty scene where she turns, that could be a great way to break a young actress. You know, mm. you're That's not putting a, a movie on her, but you're putting a, an important moment. And if she nails it, it elevates the whole movie. I yeah. think that's a great it's a great thing to do with a young actress. I'm going to throw out there a little bit maybe an unconventional choice but Haley Steinfeld. Um she has been way more teeny bopper in recent years and that may count against her but I always go back to her as Maddie Ross in True Grit acting opposite Jeff Bridges where she was like 11 years old and the entire character was like she was cold-hearted and all business and could out-negotiate grown men and was like hunting down her father's killer. And she sold the hell out of that as an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old. She's got that in her, and she has kind of a statuesque presence to her. Yeah. I, actually, I don't know if she's Wonder Woman, but just a, just a thought. Just the thought. Again, like well, I, and I'm I think fine she, with just swallowing it. I just I feel like that's still too young. You know? I hear you. I hear you on that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe Haley Steinfeld is your big Barda. Maybe, you know, maybe that's how you, you reconcile it. And also, frankly, Billy, the idea of like the old gods versus the new gods, even having an older Wonder Woman with like a younger, stronger, more, you know, perfect Barda kind of actualizes some of what you're what's in your head also. So yeah, I, no, I, I agree with that. And we need to go with the with the ages for Boyega and Holt and Tom Holland, you know, because a younger, you know, so that whole younger model beating you up T1000 style. I kind of I kind of dig that. That's Plus, you nice. have to think like if we're kind of saying that you disconnect from Themyscira, it starts to leave you like I think maybe she has aged a little bit. You know, she doesn't look like she's perpetually 17 you know like she's she's now a person of earth and good god 2020 has aged all of us i can only imagine living <laughs> through, well, you know a couple hundred of those on those along those lines i mean if if you just search um Gemma archerton harper's oh, yeah. bazaar oh, dude if you search Gemma archerton harper's bazaar there's just beautiful pictures of her in a gown at a gala walking up steps with these big, muscular, beautiful legs and arms and her face. And her just Gemma Arterton is Wonder Woman to me. And I think she was very close to getting the role, but she's a little bit of a pain in the ass. And I think they went with with Godot for many reasons. I think Gemma Arterton is that. I don't I don't have another suggestion better than her. She's beautiful. She's strong looking. She's 37 years old, uh, going on 38. I think this woman is beautiful. And she looks badass. My, and she's wondrous to me. 
No, I, I think she's amazing. My only, um, the only better option I could come up, first of all, Rosario Dawson, I think is also a great choice. Rosario Dawson, Gemma Arterton. Yeah. I don't know that you could actually get away with this, but the woman who plays Peggy Carter in the MCU, Haley Atwell. Uh, Haley Atwell yeah. I love her the way Ed loves Gemma Arterton. I I think we're kind of on the same page. We we uh, I, I yeah. think honestly <laughs> it could be a toss up between any of those three and I'd be totally fine with it. I think yeah, they all get too. the room, man. I think we yeah. put them all in the room and uh oh and we say, hey, God. sign on the dotted line for this and much, or Nicholas Holt gets the role. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Holt is with a tiara, and he's just like, yep. yeah. <laughs> but he's still got the biker shorts and the leather jacket, because uh, that's a costume <laughs> for this movie, right? We, we didn't change that part, did we? <laughs> no. uh, do we want to now cast, basically, Darkseid and High Father, God and the Devil? So Darkseid, I was thinking, and I know we throw this name out every single episode, but hey, a broken clock is right twice a day. I was thinking uh, who could be great as like mocap for full-fledged Darkseid, but also a human form is Idris Elba. I I think he could be an amazing Darkseid, and I, mm. I believe that he... He has the gravitas when he's not instructed to go cheesy. I think he went way cheesy in Hobbs and Shaw as the villain because that was what that movie's MO was. But if you watch him more nuanced, I definitely could buy the maybe charming human side versus like the really powerful God. See, that's interesting. I find him too likable. I would almost cast him as High Father. I would almost cast him as like the head of the good gods. Yeah, I would do that. And you know I who I, I choose? I, I don't know. I I disagree. Maybe it's maybe it's just because like I've been watching The Office lately, and he's such a butthole as Charles Minor that <laughs> I'm just like that. I that I see it. You know, I'm like, no, he could, he's he's very charming, but he can also be a stone cold dick face when it calls for it. You know. I mean, I think. Look, I'm gonna go supernatural on this one, but it's not who you think. Uh, I'm going to Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I think he actually would be really, really good as a as a bad guy. Look, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like, I, I I love him to death. I don't know if he can break like like he's his own worst casting enemy because he does the same. Rick, it's poop your pants time. No matter what character he is, he was in that stupid rock no, King you're Kong right. ripoff. He just like I feel like uh, again like he's just the same freaking character he plays it good time. but he plays that character good. he plays that character to perfection but it is jeffrey dean morgan like you can't see past him unfortunately well okay this For is me. my thing i i don't know who's gonna mocap it but i would like to bring in peter cullen of transformers fame because i love that guy he's <laughs> great if he <laughs> a dark side sounded like an evil optimus prime it's hilarious that is <laughs> it's so funny what about lee pace he was ronin in guardians mm. of the galaxy i kind of feel like i'm i don't know i see dark side as like a very booming voice and i know he's not maybe the biggest guy but if we're mocapping him i just think it'd be um, hilarious if dark side's like hey guys <laughs> I'm the face Actually, of evil. I mean, it was like a, like a Batman brain in the bold. Sure. <laughs> not that uh, not that he's even in this movie, but I would actually see Lee Pace as more of an Orion, um, mm, sort of yeah, son yeah. of Darkseid. I could see that very yes. much so. Very much so. Let's I see. Do uh, think, I, I, I still see, I, I see where you're going though, Bill, because I, I do think that part of 
dark side is kind of like my kind of modern day thoughts on the devil, which is probably like very hideous in true form, very charming to the human eye, you know? You just have the guy who plays Lucifer. No, I'm kidding. I'm 100% Crossover, multiverse. Multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. I I also think that like, you you need, and I wouldn't suggest this actor, but you almost need a Voldemort presence to Dark Side. Like you need somebody who can just be like, I'm going to step on screen and exude so much menace that everybody craps their pants a little bit. Um, which is a tough ask because like that that's what about like no oh no he was I was gonna say I was gonna say Christopher Eccleston but he was already such a throwaway villain in Thor that it'd be tough to... What about Russell Crowe? Who mm. is, I know, like 400 pounds right now. Um, that makes him better. Get him into shape. Um, yeah. Did we use him for one of our DC castings, or am I making that up in my head? I don't think so. You might be thinking of him from Man of Steel, one of the other DCU <laughs> movies. I actually I think, think Russell Crowe is, is, a, is a fantastic so, choice. How about Jason Isaacs? Hmm. Too sm- Jason Isaacs would actually be an amazing Desaad as like smarmy, just yes. like you want to hate him because he's so gross. I don't, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to toss Russell Crowe out. I think Russell Crowe, I think an offer goes out to him. I think yeah. a, a yeah. script gets delivered to him. Just what are your thoughts? Because as we know, Russell Crowe doesn't audition. That's true. <laughs> yes, he, does he doesn't. So yeah, we don't. There we don't amazing... tell him that there is a room that he's in. I think we just say. What you, there what was an amazing this? exchange. Uh, this this dovetails with my love hate for Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld put out a tweet at one point, like at Russell Crowe should audition for Cable, and Russell Crowe literally tweeted him back, being just one word audition question <laughs> mark, which is amazing. All right, I'm going to throw out one more, like, what are you smoking pitch. And Love it. If it's terrible, then Russell Crowe gets my vote. What about Billy Zane? I think Billy Zane <laughs> is both the charmer. He's got the voice. I think he's in pretty good shape. He's a better actor than people give him credit for. I'm going to say Billy Zane should at least be on the incredibly long short list. Hmm. I think, I think it's just, I think it's his comeback. It's his Travolta 1994 comeback. Is I think we're thinking about Dark Side in two different ways because I'm not seeing the charming aspect of it. I feel like there's mm. other evil new gods that sort of cover I'm, that. I'm, but I'm saying charming in sense of like if if it's still kind of a plot point that he's in human form, maybe trying to mess with Diana to mm. not intervene. Otherwise, I still think he's uh, I still think he's he's got. You know, put, throw Billy Zane in a mocap suit. I think he, I think he shocks you. Otherwise, uh, we send it to Russell Crowe and see what he thinks. I have one other one, maybe. Leave Schreiber. Ooh, as a voice now, that dude's pretty good. He's he's got a great his older man voice. Lately? I feel like I haven't seen him in anything. He's on TV. Head. He was like Ray Ray Donovan, Ray Donovan. or something. Yeah. He actually, though, was also the voice of Kingpin in Into the Spider Verse. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, don't know, he, I just. He knows ahead. how to play. No, he knows how to play that mastermind villain role for sure. I hate it. Yeah, well, yeah I just, just want to throw and leave Schreiber in there to <laughs> duke it out. He's going to actually have to audition. 
Crow doesn't duke. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you let you you let leave Schreiber and Billy Zane have maybe the weirdest one-on-one clay wrestling match of all time, <laughs> and then if both of them kill each other, you offer it to Russell Crow. Okay, so let's talk. Um, let's talk director. Who is putting this Wonder Woman monstrous cosmic battle together? I tend to, uh, when it comes to superhero movies, I think the thing is your mind goes to like, who could direct the the big spectacle? Who could direct the, that? I wipe that from my mind completely. I, I think who can direct emotion, who can mm-hmm. direct characters, who can direct a lot of characters and have it all make sense. Um, I do think that it should be a woman because I think they're going to bring perspectives to this story that a male just probably can't. So I think my first choice is going to be Dee Reese. Uh, she did Mudbound, which I thought was just such an amazing dramatic performance with a lot of different characters. I think this is exactly the type of movie that she could, uh, kind of upscale in terms of like, uh, you know, the actual production scale too. I think she gets the characters. I'm not at all worried about visual effects and that kind of crap, because honestly, that's, that's the visual effects supervisor's job is to kind of, you know, walk the director through that stuff. So I want an actor's director to direct this, especially if we're hinging the whole movie on one emotional moment in the second act, you can't have George Lucas, Faster, more intense. Doesn't work here. You need an actor's director. So I'm I saying with that, sure. I, I like that D-Rees. suggestion. I like that suggestion. And I don't really have anything else, honestly. That just that blew everything else out of my mind. So super. I, super I'd like to. I'd like that. to proffer uh, Misha Green, who has shown a very good ability to write and direct fantasy stuff in Lovecraft Country and stuff. And I would also like oh. to put forth a conventional choice of Catherine Bigelow because you're still going to have to have somebody who knows how to whoop some ass. And she got me to care about Johnny Utah's knee. One I'm of sure. these movies will get you <laughs> Catherine Bigelow. I know that, that is your Tom Holland. This Dude, week. no, we, <laughs> we used people. her for some. What did we use her on? We, we, we used, used her on something. We used I her think on we something. might have said James Bond. James Bond, Catherine Bigelow. Oh, I think, we, yeah, we might have thrown her into that shark's mouth of that movie. <laughs> the, 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 the female, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, sin eater. <laughs> we just uh, threw her into the maw of that movie to to make up for the misogyny inherited James Bond. We might have done that. But I just think it's it would be a nice opportunity for her to get back into the saddle of doing some hardcore action jazz. And and I think one of the reasons why she didn't like the Patty Jenkins draft, I think she was in the running to do the Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman. And she just kind of didn't like the way that story was. Mm. And I think she might like this story more because it's more propulsive and it has a tiny bit more sisterhood. Yeah, that could be. Uh, look, I, I think she would absolutely handle. I mean, just think about that, that gritty in the mud beat down between Barda and Wonder Woman that ends with that emotional twist directed by Catherine Bigelow. Like, oh, I can see and that. dude, and then big Barda goes, I can't beat you. But just, just let me surf this wave. Exactly. And she, she walks into the big giant wave. <laughs> And Wonder Woman's like, she's not coming back. I'm out. I quit, I quit the film industry. <laughs> that, was, that was great, guys. Point break references, guys. They always work. 60% of the time, they work 100% of the time. 
<laughs> oh, all right. Well, D Reese, I'm fine with. I, I, I feel like every time we come up with uh, a situation where we're trying to find a female director for one of these properties, it's always so tough for us to come up with names. And that speaks to a larger, more systemic problem. So let's just yeah. acknowledge well, that. Uh, I'd also like to throw in uh, Anna Bowden. Did I say from her Captain name? Marvel? Yeah. Nah, big veto from me, but go on. Yeah, I just like her. I just And I love Captain Marvel. And actually, actually, I want her. I don't want Sorry. her husband. I, I have it on good authority. Her <laughs> husband's the one that sucks. <laughs> so just her by herself. I'm or I would say I Olivia that. Wilde. I think Olivia Wilde is really. Oh. Actually, Olivia Wilde could also be in this movie, too. Dude, while you're yeah. BSing, I think Olivia Wilde could play either Big Barda or 100%. Wonder Woman, I think. Because I, look, uh, I looked I'm, at her I'm, pictures last night. She's a and she's like what? She's about thirty eight right now. She's she's looking great. I'm not she's BSing anybody. I think Olivia Wilde just hit my head and I was like, oh yeah, she could also just like star and act in this. Dude, Olivia Wilde as, produces as it. Oh, wait, the Clint Eastwood, the Clint Eastwood of this movie. She's just like, all right, close on my face. But all I'm right, also just thinking up. like <laughs> Olivia Wilde also. Uh, she kind of like aesthetically fits uh, with some of the other casting we've done looking forward to justice league. Like I can yeah. definitely see her like a lot of chemistry between some of the choices that we already have. I will just say that. So I'm, I'm a huge new gods nerd and I will just say, I think Olivia Wilde would be an amazing Lashina. Who's one of the female furies. Um, and I think that um, who played Effie Trinket uh, in the hunger games. Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, oh, uh, ah, she was on 30 Rock. Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Banks would be an amazing Mad Harriet. Um, also one of the female furies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, not that we need to cast all those characters, but if they're going to be in this movie, like (laughs) it's, they would be amazing. No, I think, I think we have a good pool of talent for, for both. I mean, we have, between three and five female directors battling it out. We have between six and eight Wonder Women and Big Bardas in a big room having sword yeah. fights all day uh, for Peters to tape surreptitiously. Um, you know, <laughs> we, we have a lot of... Uh, no, we don't invite let's, him let's, to the let's casting. Let's not That's send a, him the... We leave him out of that. On this one. <laughs> you know he's going to demand it, though. You know he's going to demand it. <laughs> He's going to be on set. Screw the dailies. That's the only time you're going to see the dude on set is when we're filming those fight scenes. He's going to show up to set just as a woman's bicycle seat. Like, dude, you're not in the movie. You are not in the movie, dude. Get out of here. And I have to I have to edit this episode. Please stop dropping these bombs that are going to take me days to figure out how to cut around. On that note, we have achieved reboot. We did it. So, guys, we have a Wonder Woman movie, the last piece of the puzzle on our road to Justice League. We have now introduced some version of the New Gods mythology into our DC universe, but not something we necessarily have to pick up on in Justice League, because by the end of this Wonder Woman movie, we will see Darkseid, God of all evil, submit to the loving authority of a group of women, just like William Moulton Marston always wanted. Uh... Along the way, we are doing a riff on the Peter Pan hook setup where Wonder Woman has been in the world of man for too long. The power of Themyscira has waned and she has forgotten who she is. She's pulled out of this stupor by the arrival of Scott Free, Mr. Miracle. 
the only god to escape from the fire pits of Apocalypse. But because he is without power and has no proof, she doesn't believe him. Meanwhile, the evil gods are infiltrating the world of man, and Scott Free has to convince her to join the fight. But when she does, she realizes it's not as simple as just punching your enemy into submission. Guys, this is a good one. This one turned out pretty dang well. If you have to do something that is so currently beloved as Wonder Woman, I think we did exactly the right thing, which was, let's not try to reinvent the wheel. Let's just do something completely different. And I'm, I'm very happy uh, that all of us threw our, threw our little ingredients in the pot and made a really cool gumbo out of some mumbo gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself, Billy. <laughs> that is the name of the game on Reboot It. If you guys at home love the taste of our mumbo gumbo, and how could you not, make sure you're subscribed. If you've made it all the way to the end, just subscribe. Even if you're going to come back and you know you're going to watch every episode anyway, hit the subscribe button. It helps us out. Hit the bell button. That'll help you out in case we ever want to go live or throw up any bonus episodes. You will get the notifications. And above all else, come back next week, every Saturday through the end of the year, you have got rebooted season three, giving you big old blockbusters when your local movie theater can't. So for Billy Business, for Ed Greer, for Ron Swallow, I'm producer Bill. We are the Reboot Crew. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, this is Ron. If you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the classic logo, and then of course, the Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls among other fan favorite comments. So do yourself a favor, go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite t-shirt. So thanks for listening and thanks for supporting. Reboot it.